The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. By giving attention to His Word, our passage this evening is Proverbs chapter 20, verses 1 through 14. Proverbs 20, verses 1 through 14. Let us now hear God speak to us in His Word. Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger anger forfeits his life. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. The sluggard does not plow in autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. A king who sits on the throne of judgment winnows all evil with his eyes. Who could say, I have made my heart pure. I am clean for my sin. Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord, has made them both. Love not sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. Bad, bad, says the buyer. But when he goes away, then he boasts. Well, this concludes the reading of God's Word. May God now be pleased to add His blessing to it by the power of His Spirit, giving us ears to hear and eyes to see. Well, doctors recommend a regular health screening to detect for failing health, potential dangers such as cancer or heart disease. And it's not always fun doing this and, and being told that we have to change certain habits, but in the end, it should prove to be beneficial to our physical health. Well, the same is true when it comes to our spiritual health. Instead of always sizing up our neighbor or brother, looking down on them, all thinking that we are so great, we should be willing to evaluate or screen our own spiritual lives regularly. Now, it can be like stepping on the scales after the holidays or after family camp. It might be painful to see that we have a few pounds of sin to shed and make changes in our life, but it is something that we do need to face. And Proverbs helps us with this, not only showing us in what we are lacking, but also guiding us in where we should go. And of course, we can only do this by virtue of our union with Christ. Being in Christ, we have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And the book of Proverbs says, this is what wisdom looks like. Walk in it, giving us guidance. So three areas to consider when evaluating our own life. The first is overindulgence. The second is strife. And the third is character. Kind of, We could call that like a general health screening, I suppose. 
So first, overindulgence, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler. Whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Now at first, it may seem like there's a contradiction here in Scripture. Because Psalm 104.15 says that God gave wine to gladden the heart of man in order to bless him, in order to testify to his goodness and kindness to man. But here in Proverbs 20, it says that wine is a mocker. It rubs your pain in your face, as it were. It delights in your suffering. Strong drink, another form of alcohol that's perhaps stronger, is a brawler, it says. It does not want to help you like a friend, but it wants to beat you up like an enemy. So which one is it? Is wine a good gift from God, Psalm 104, or is wine a mocker, Proverbs 20? Well, the issue is not in the substance itself, but rather in the overindulgence or excess of it. It's not the use, but the abuse of the substance. It's similar to what we're going to see in just a moment with regards to sleep from verse 13. Sleep is a good thing. It's something that we need. However, it says do not love sleep. That becomes a bad thing. To overindulge in it is a bad thing. And the same is true with any creational gift that God has given us, whether it's food, money, sex. It's when we idolize these things and make them our God so that we depend upon them for our hope and happiness in the place of God that they become bad. And so this is the case with alcohol. This is what Proverbs 20 is referring to. Not the use, but the abuse of it. It's a gift given to us by God in creation, not inherently a bad thing because of that. But it becomes a bad thing when we idolize it, when it leads to drunkenness or enslavement where we can't give it up or go without it. Here is when it becomes a mocker in that it promises to deliver us. It promises to give us happiness. Not the substance itself, but our hearts that view it that way, but then destroys us when we look to it for deliverance. In this sense, it mocks us. It makes a mockery out of us and beats us down. But the proverb here says that when this happens, it reveals a lack of wisdom. It says at the end of verse 1, Whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So the issue is not the proper use of it. The issue is being led astray by it. This reveals a lack of wisdom in the heart. Anytime someone is led astray by anything, whether it's alcohol, food, money, what what have you, it is not because that person came in contact with that thing where you said, I should have never come in contact with it, otherwise I wouldn't have gone down this path, but rather because that person's heart was filled with a measure of foolishness, a lack of the fruit of the spirit of self-control. And that thing was merely the occasion that revealed that person's heart. As our verse says here, whoever is led astray by it is not wise. It reveals a lack of wisdom in that area. And so while steps are needed to avoid that thing, perhaps for a time, ultimately what needs to happen is there needs to be wisdom gained in the heart 
which God promises and gives generously to all who ask, as James 1.5 says. Another thing that we can overindulge in is rest or sleep. Verse 4, the slugger does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. So autumn is the time of harvest. Uh, this is when you need to harvest your field if you want food for the rest of the year. Consider that culture back then. They didn't have a Walmart to run to. They didn't have billings to go to, to to make a major grocery store run. Rather, if you did not plant and harvest, you were going to go hungry. But the sluggard, the lazy person, doesn't feel like working. And so he doesn't harvest. Instead, he is left to seeking, as ESV translates it, which is a word that refers to begging. He's seeking food from others. But he will have nothing. He will not have compassion for people because they know the reason he doesn't have food. He was lazy. He didn't want to work for it. He did not work his field during harvest time. And so people knowing this are not going to give him anything. And I think here we do see a distinction between someone who is truly poor, somebody who can't work, somebody who uh, maybe got injured or maybe has a defect, was born with a defect preventing them from work. Having a difficult providence, that's a poor person versus someone who's lazy but wants to mooch off of others. And the Proverbs here says that person who's a sluggard will not uh, be rewarded. But we are warned not to overindulge in rest. Verse 13, love not sleep lest you become poverty, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. Now, again, this is not saying don't appreciate a good night's sleep or avoid sleep. You know, some of the Puritans talk about how they regretted not getting enough sleep because they would often get very little sleep in order to do work and study. And later on in their life, they reflected on we should have gotten more sleep because now our health is failing. And so that actually shortened our amount of time that we could serve God. But this is talking about do not idolize sleep so that you neglect your duties. Uh, die to yourself in the times that you would prefer rest over times when God has given you a certain responsibility. Now, this is not talking about those who have health issues and need greater rest. But rather, this is talking about sin in neglecting responsibilities that God has given to you in his providence. It is those who neglect them leading to a destructive lifestyle of coming to poverty and not working to provide for yourself and family. And this is why the Proverbs calls us to open our eyes. That is, wake up, get up and work and stop sleeping so much in order to have plenty of provision. A second area to consider. We saw overindulgence. The second area is strife. Verse 2. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. Now, thankfully, we don't live in a monarch form of government, at least in theory. But back then, they did. And wisdom dictated that you were very careful before the king. If you provoked him to anger by living foolishly, breaking his law, then it would result in facing his anger, which is compared to a growling 
fierce lion. You forfeit your life. And what this tells us is that wisdom involves avoiding certain conflicts, especially ones that are most dangerous. Avoiding going into harm. And verse 3 is in line with this. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. So again, a fool quarrels. A wise person knows how to avoid strife. A wise person doesn't want to vindicate himself, doesn't want uh, to pay somebody back when he's insulted, when he's humiliated. He doesn't want to fight or insult that person back. And this proverb is saying that's actually an honor. It's actually an honor to keep away from strife. Sometimes we see honor as somebody that can fight and win every fight. But here, it's an honor to stay away for, from it. And this not only applies to when we are personally offended, uh, but when there is conflict elsewhere. You know, we don't want to have a Messiah complex where we want to save the day and jump into every conflict that comes along. And some people, for whatever reason, just like drama and like to feel important, but a wise person knows how to avoid conflict. But if we ever are involved in conflict in the providence of God, He places us in it to be a peacemaker. It should not be to pour gasoline on the fire, but to be wise peacemakers, which is what the sons of God are called. However, a fool who acts in pride and makes it all about himself will fight and revile and be engaged in quarrels and conflicts and get himself into fights. A third area is character. And so this is, I know, more general. We've been talking about character here the whole time. But third area, generally speaking, is character. We begin with Things that are hidden and not revealed. Verse 5. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. So the word for purpose here can refer to something that's either good or bad. It can refer to either one. Context will determine the meaning. But the purpose is like a deep well. You cannot see the water deep down, hidden beneath the surface. People don't just come out and say everything that's on their heart. That's not the way it typically works. And it takes a wise man, a man of understanding, to bring it to the surface. He or she does so by not rushing to judgment, as we saw in the previous chapters, but by listening and, and seeking to understand where that person is, to understand that person. He has a knowledge of and experience with people so that he is able to ask the right questions. Now, why would we want to do this? Why would we want to bring things to the surface? Well, it's so that we know how to best interact with others in love and edification. And maybe a one particular application is applied to our interaction over doctrine, for example. You know, sometimes people believe and do things because they have an emotional attachment something. They feel really blessed and pleased by something, and so they don't want it to be criticized. And so rather than just getting into an argument, getting into quarrels over those things, it's better to ask questions. They get to the, the heart of the matter. It's also that he can help others in giving them sound counsel and advice, rather than just hearing what's on the surface and spouting something off Take some time to listen and draw things out and consider. 
It can also be to see through a veneer of good and see the evil intentions of someone who might want to cause division in the family or in the church. And related is verse 6. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. So on the surface, what can be most clearly seen is what people proclaim about themselves. And how we present ourselves is usually in a good light. Like, I can't believe this person would do that. I surely would not have done that. Or, well, this person did this, but my intentions were pure. I just want to love and bless others and do the right thing. But the proverb here indicates that what people say about themselves, what they actually are, sometimes don't line up. Rhetorically, the proverb asks, but the faithful man who can find? Uh, one who is truly faithful and doing good and keeping his word is hard to find. So we look to the fruit in one's life, how they live, and not only what they say. This includes ourselves as well. Does our life match up with what we say? As Jesus says, you will know people by their fruits. And this is why verse 11 says, even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. So someone may say, listen to my words, I am pure and upright, I am faithful, I declare my steadfast love and faithfulness. However, the scripture says, look at one's works, you know what kind of person they are by their fruits. And this is even the case with children. Children, though they're immature, they make themselves known by their behavior. You know, in our culture especially, we kind of like, oh, innocent little children, oh, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to make them upset, but their behavior, how they respond to things, reveals where they, where their heart is. It reveals their character. But different is the one who truly has integrity, as verse 7 says. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Integrity means that there's a major inconsistency, or there's not a major inconsistency between your profession and your life. And so the one who lives this way will not merely be blessed himself, but will bless his children after him. Children that are raised in a home filled with trouble usually end up troubled. But a father who humbly walks with God and is not a hypocrite, who also acknowledges his sin before his children, not seeking to justify himself or cover up his sin and anger, but trust in Christ's righteousness, leading him to humbly acknowledge it and emulate Christ's gentle and humble spirit, will bless his children. He will be faithful to discipline his children, even though it might not feel good. He may not like it, but he will do so out of love and not anger. Now, this is no guarantee that his children will be saved, but he will certainly set a good example for them. And neither is it the case that just because children raised in a troubled home that they won't later come to the Savior. There's many examples I can think of of children who did not grow up in a Christian home but yet came to Christ. And so we should be praying uh, for our children that they will know the Heavenly Father, that they will know Christ. Now, while a person's purposes may be hidden deep in his heart, and he may declare his loyalty and goodness, a wise and righteous king will see through it. Verse 8, 
A king who sits on the throne of judgment winnows all evil with his eyes. So he's able to clearly see with his eyes a figure of speech for his great discernment, the difference between evil men and righteous men of integrity, and he will judge rightly and justly. God has given him eyes to see and ears to hear, as verse 12 says. Even the physical eyes to see and physical ears to hear is a gift from God. We could take in information through these instruments, but this is also true metaphorically and spiritually. God is the one who gives ears to hear the truth and eyes to see and to give discerning mind like the king has here who can winnow away evil. But if this is true with a human king, how much more the king of kings who on that day of judgment will separate the sheep and the goat and will winnow all evil away from his presence forever and perfectly. But here we are reminded of what verse 9 says. Who can say, I have made my heart pure. I am clean from sin. This is again a rhetorical question, a question with an obvious answer. No one could say, I have made my heart pure. No one could say, I am clean from my sin. Even the Apostle Paul, who, who wrote Holy Scripture, said of himself, wretched man that I am. Not that I was, but that I am. And he wasn't humble bragging. He meant it. He was a wretch still. And yet, he was an apostle who wrote Holy Scripture. And what, this, what this verse reveals is that the doctrine of perfectionism, where you can reach perfection in this life where you can say in this life, I have made my heart clean. I am now clean from sin is false. One might claim their steadfast love, but in reality, they are still sinners. One might have integrity, but he's still going to wrestle with sin and hypocrisy to a certain degree. One might avoid being winnowed out before the king, but it's because the king cannot see to a soul like the king of kings can. And this is why we must trust Christ alone for our purity. No one can make their hearts pure. It, it says right here, no one could say, I have made my heart pure. Anyone who has a pure heart doesn't have it because he's the one who did it. As Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 13.23, the Ethiopian... Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then also you can do good who are accustomed to do evil. We cannot change ourselves. We cannot wash ourselves clean. We cannot change our hearts. Instead, we must receive and rest on Christ and His cleansing love alone. We must trust Him fully to cover us with His righteousness, relying on His perfect law-keeping relying on His atoning death to satisfy all our sins, to justify us, to present us as holy and blameless and above reproach in God's presence. And we must also rely on that death, burial, and resurrection as symbolized in baptism to wash away all our sins and deliver us from the power of our sin so that we may live a new and holy life. So that... It's God who creates in us a clean heart, something He continues to do as He washes us with His Word, because in this life we will never ultimately 
be clean from sin so that we can say, I no longer have sin. And this should lead us, because of the work of Christ, because of what He's done for us, this should lead us to walk in integrity of which one area is business practices. Verse 10, unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. So back then, grains and other goods were measured by weights and scales. And one of the ways, and it's funny, it keeps coming up in Proverbs, one of the ways that uh, they would cheat is that they would alter the scale just, just enough so that gradually, little by little, they would end up gaining an advantage. They would say, this is how much I'm selling, alter the scale so it looks like they're selling more, when in reality it is a little less in order to gain an advantage over time. However, these fraudulent and deceitful business practices, no matter how small or justified in man's sight, is an abomination to the Lord. And the buyer could also participate in this deceit. Verse 14, bad, bad, says the buyer. But when he goes away, then he boasts. So a buyer sees a product, says it's bad. It's not worth the price for which it is being sold. However, he was lying about that all along because after he buys it for a cheaper price, is the assumption, he goes away boasting about it. Oh, look what a great deal I got. Look at this great product I got. Now it is good. This is not to say that we can't try to work out deals or find ways to make a profit, but they must be honest, just, and filled with integrity before the Lord. We must speak and walk in the truth. And also walk in love, seeking not to deceive or take advantage of others, no matter what area of life, but to bless them and do what is right to them, doing unto others as we would have them do unto us because of what Christ has done in giving himself up for us, in making us new, creating in us a clean heart and renewing in us a new spirit. So may we walk in his ways, because this is who we are as those who have been united to Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask you to help us to walk in wisdom. We continue to get doses of wisdom as we look in Proverbs, and we ask that we would genuinely and diligently apply this wisdom to our life, because we have this wisdom already in Christ. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com.